honor and a privilege to be able to stand before you this morning. This is another Lord's Day. Another beautiful day that we can come together as children of God and worship our Creator. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for being here. Visitors, thank you for being here. Our members, our winter visitors, thank you for being here. It's truly an honor to be able to assemble and to worship our God on this day. Appreciate you all being here very much. Have you ever thought about the very privilege it is for us to offer prayers to our Creator? I ask Brother Larry to lead that last song because it has that line in there. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Sometimes I think we overlook that. I think we take it for granted. We have the privilege to approach our Creator, to offer our prayers to Him. And we know that He hears them. We are righteous. We are a child of His. When our prayers are offered in the right way, He hears them. What a wonderful blessing that is. Also think about that we don't serve a withdrawn or out-of-touch, impersonal God. Quite the contrary. We serve a God that is very personal. He is our Heavenly Father. What a great blessing that is. And we have the opportunity to speak to Him through prayer. Think about that for a moment. We have the ability to approach our Creator and ask Him for things on our behalf. So this morning, I wanted to share some thoughts with you about prayer. More importantly, I wanted to talk a little bit this morning about how it is we are to pray. Because the Bible does give us instructions on how to pray. And there's no better place to look than in Matthew chapter 6. And what's been called the Lord's Prayer. It's been called the model prayer. Whatever we might deem it, we can look here and see that our Lord gave us an example of how we are to pray. So this morning I'd like to share some thoughts from Matthew 6. If you'd like to place a marker there, we'll come back and forth to Matthew 6. We're going to look at some ideas here from this, these few verses here where our Lord teaches us how to pray. Beginning in verse 9. See what we can find out about prayer. As we look at this, as we begin... What's so wonderful about this is the very structure of the prayer. Now we can follow it so easily and see how our Lord wanted us to pray to our God. The first thing we need to understand and know is that our prayer needs to be properly addressed. Look in verse 9 with me. Our Lord says, Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Notice that Jesus addresses his prayer to God the Father. Notice that he addresses him as our Father. We've talked about in other lessons about how wonderful it is to understand the relationship that we have as God is our Father and Jesus Christ is our brother. So when he says, our Father, we get that relationship right there, understanding that Jesus Christ is our brother. What a beautiful, wonderful thing that is. 
Also notice, notice that where our Father resides. It says there, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus points out and makes us understand about the Father that we serve and his position <coughs> in this world. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 with me. Isaiah chapter 40. <coughs> Many passages we can look at, talk about the position of our God, the realm that he possesses. But here in Isaiah 40, it's a beautiful description about our Lord, our God. Beginning in verse 21. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault of the earth or sits above the circle of the earth, your Bible might say. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I should be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name, because of the greatness of his might, and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. You get a powerful description of our God from that passage? In the realm that he possesses, the realm that he lives in, he looks down upon this earth. With the wave of his finger, he can accomplish all his will in this world. Has that power. When we address him, we understand where he resides. He lives in heaven. He is the God of heaven. And as such, we also know that his name is holy. Jesus says back there, back in Matthew 6, hallowed be thy name. There's certain weight about the name of God. Just his very name carries a lot of weight. Now Isaiah 43 and verse 15 says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Think about the weight that it carries, just the name of God. One of my favorite passages from all of Scripture is in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses is being commissioned to lead the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. And Moses has his reservations. He says, who am I to lead these people? Remember what God said? In Exodus 3, verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you to me. God's name means I am. Another way to think about that is I be. I know that's not proper English. If you think about that, what that means, I am. Always has been, always will be. The great I am. His name is holy. When we address our God, we understand that we need to address him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5 and verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray to our God, we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we pray to our God in heaven, we pray through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing that is. Think about, remember, Jesus, our advocate, our brother in Christ. He is our brother. Pray to our Father. We also think about when we're praying that our prayers need to be in harmony with God's will. In verse 10, back in Matthew 6, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us to pray that God's will be done. Sounds like maybe a strange thing. We understand. If we, if we recognize God's power, and we just talked about that realm that he possesses, surely his will will be accomplished. But look what our Lord says. We need to pray that it does. We need to pray that his will be accomplished. Thy will be done. And Jesus, again, sets an example for us. Look over in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. It's a great example of God's will being done. An example here by our Lord himself. Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. It says, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. Does it end there? No. What he says at the end of verse 42. Yet not my will, but thine be done. Here is our Lord Jesus Christ, God on earth, asking that God's will in heaven be done. What a great example that is. Our Lord Jesus, who learned obedience even to the point of death, here he is, petitioning God the Father that this cup passed from him, that he not have to endure what he was about to endure. But he says, yet thy will be done. Thy will be done. We have to align our will with what his will is. We talk so often about things that we pray for. Do they come to fruition? Do the things that we ask of God come to pass in our lives? And it's not an easy question to answer. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But our duty and our responsibility is to align our will with God's will. John 4 verse 34 said, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Jesus said, what nourishes me is to do the will of my Father. What keeps me going, what I want to do, is I want to do what the Father wants me to do. What a great example to us. Again, Jesus Christ, the great example. The things that he said, the life that he lived, the, the way in which he did things. What he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Is that our will? Is it our hope that I can do, that we can do everything that God wants us to do? I hope it is. And I hope that we'll align our will with God's will. 1 John 5 and verse 14 says, 
This is the confidence which I have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, what is his will? We know what his will is. He wants all men to be saved. He wants us to love him. He wants us to treat our neighbor right. He wants us to practice loving service and the things that we do serve him. Gather here on this first day of the week. Come together as his, as his body, as the Lord's body. Those are the things he wants us to do. Those are the things we need to be praying about. Why does Jesus say, pray thy will be done? Because this is what we're supposed to be doing. Our prayers, our prayers need to be with thanksgiving. Back in Matthew 6, verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We know this prayer. We've heard this many, many times. Give us this day our daily bread. In everything we do, we need to always be giving thanks to him. In everything that we ask, we need to be giving thanks to him. In Ephesians 5, verse 20 says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the Father. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your request, let them be known to God. With thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing. Let your request be known to God. With what? With thanksgiving. Giving Him thanks for the things that we have. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things that we need to survive in this very day. And God said He'll do that. He said he'll provide for us. If we're faithful to him, if we're doing the things that he would have us to do, he will take care of us. It's this attitude of gratitude that we need to have. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. About all the thanksgiving and the praise that is going on in that short little verse. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Colossians 3, verse 15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Are we thankful for all things that we ask for? When we ask our God to give us this day our daily bread, it needs to be done in a matter of thanksgiving. Because he will do that. He hears our prayers when we are faithful and righteous to him. <coughs> Brethren, there's a warning that's given to us in Scripture also about being ungrateful. Being ungrateful is one of those things that signifies something great, really. It signifies disobedience. Paul's writing to the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1, he says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Showing gratitude is something that's fundamental to serving God. 
we don't have gratitude for our God, we're going to slip into these other things. Unholy, boastful, arrogant, reviling, disobedient to parents. All those things that, that Paul joins together here, warning Timothy about. One of those things is being ungrateful. We're not grateful for what God has blessed us with. We're in danger. We're in danger of losing our faith. Look with me in Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> God doesn't take kindly to those who are ungrateful to Him. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21, it says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and of four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. God doesn't take kindly to people being ungrateful to him. They knew God, what it says there in verse 21. Even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. We're not grateful to our God. We don't honor him in the way that he needs to be honored and deserves to be honored. There's consequences for it. We can slip. We can fall. And we can become like these that Paul is talking about. God just give them over to their own depravity. There's a warning there for us. Warning about being ungrateful. Be grateful for the things that God's blessed us with. And tell Him often. Our prayers are to be offered in humility. Back in Matthew 6. Our prayers need to be offered in humility. Verse 12, Matthew 6, it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Look back up in verse 5. We talk about being humble. We need to be humble in the eyes of our Creator. Back up in verse 5. It says, and when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. <coughs> but you, when you pray, go into your inner room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. Ever thought about that? How many words, are we going to be graded on how many words we, we use to pray to our God? 
And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard by their many words. We're to pray to God in humility. Not in flowery language. Not in meaningless repetition. We're to pray in this way. That's why this Lord's Prayer, as we call it, the model prayer, is so very short. Recognize who God is. Where He is. Recognize His will. These are the simple things that we are to do, not meaningless words and repetitions. The things He would have us to do. And this means that we ask out of a contrite heart. Psalm 34, verse 18, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Do we pray to God out of a contrite heart? Do we offer up everything that we have? And all humility, shedding all ego, shedding all the pretenses of this world, come to our God pray to him in the way that he wants to be prayed to which is with a contrite heart the Lord is near the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit look at Luke chapter 18 with me Luke chapter 18 another familiar passage but one that fits so well from what we're talking about here Luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 9 and he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Look what he says about this. And viewed others with contempt. He's going to tell them a story about those who thought very, very highly of themselves and didn't think a whole lot about other people around them. This is the Pharisee and the tax collector. We know this parable well. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, one a tax gatherer, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself. God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes at all that I get. That was the Pharisee's prayer. That's that one that was righteous in his own eyes. Listen to what the tax collector prayed. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Remember what we said about praying to God with a contrite heart, <clears throat> recognizing our shortcomings, recognizing our lowliness, and coming to God and say, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, our Lord says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Man, think about how short the tax collector's prayer was. Think about the Pharisee who had this comparison probably twice as long. Look at the things I've done. I fast. I give tithes. I'm glad I'm not like these other people. Tax collector said, Lord, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. The result of this is being lifted up by God. Look there at the end of verse 14. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, 
that he who humbles himself shall be exalted. We talk often about things that seem right to us, things that seem right to men. God does the opposite. And his wisdom is far greater than ours, far greater than we really truly understand. His ways are not our ways. So when, we see, when he sees people exalting themselves, they're going to be brought low. And when he sees people humble themselves out of a contrite heart, those are the ones that are going to be exalted. What a privilege. We sang a minute ago. What a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. What a privilege it is to stand before our God and to offer up our prayers to Him. When we do, we must properly address our Father who is in heaven. It's so very important to begin our prayers in that way, recognizing who He is and the position that He holds. Jesus said, you call Him Father. That's good enough. If Jesus says that's the way we need to do it, let's do it that way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We must recognize and understand his will. How do we do that? By reading his word. Reading, understanding, studying, meditating. Taking every opportunity we have to study in his word. Coming together to study so very encouraging and so very um, rich to be able to study God's words together. We can draw off of each other. Someone might bring up something we hadn't thought about. What a great way that is for us to deepen our appreciation and our knowledge for God. We can do that when we come together to study His word. Understanding what His will is for all men. We must not recognize that when we pray to Him. We must be thankful in our asking. <laughs> We've got to give him thanks for all things. Because all things come from him. James talks about that. All things coming down. Give from the Father. The Father of lots, all things coming from him. Give thanks for that in our asking. And we need to be humble in our asking. We need to be contrite. We need to be like that tax collector. God be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. That's humility. Don't puff ourselves up. Don't give God our resume. He knows what it is. Remember what he said? He knows before we even ask what we're going to ask him. Why do I need to build myself up in the presence of my God who created me? I need to ask him with thanksgiving and out of a sense of humility. And if we do that, we humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Brad read for us a minute ago from James chapter 4. Verse 10 it says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and what? He will exalt you. If we humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord, He will surely exalt us. The gospel call has been given to all men. 
Acts 17, verse 30 says, God has overlooked the times of ignorance and was calling for all men everywhere to repent. The gospel message is out there. It's in the world. It's up to us to continue to spread it. Tonight's lesson, we're going to continue talking about personal evangelism. It's not just up to me to evangelize. It's up to each one of us to evangelize. It's up to each one of us to spread the good news about the gospel. That's the gospel message that's going out. We have to hear that message. We have to believe that message. And that message calls us to repent, like we talked about there. In Acts chapter 17, God is calling on all men everywhere to repent. We have to turn from those ways of the world. If we're not a child of God, we have to turn from that and become a child of His. It takes reading. It takes understanding. It takes delving into God's knowledge and understand when you come to that point, I need to repent. When you do, you need to make that confession. Confess God. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And make that good confession. And then we're ready to be baptized. The final step it is in becoming a child of God. After we've studied and learned and understood that we need to turn from the life that we are living. Repent and turn to God. We need to be baptized. Mark 16, verse 16 says, He who is baptized, he who believes and is baptized, shall be saved. Once we are, we come up out of that water, a new child of God, a new creature, washed away of our sins. The last thing that we do is we live a life of obedience to our God. And we pray to Him. We pray to Him of what we've talked about here. That's a privilege that we have as a child of God. Those who are outside of the faith can pray to God. But their will is not aligned with his will, he doesn't hear it. He doesn't hear those prayers. He hears the prayers of the righteous, of those who are trying to be righteous, those who are contrite in heart. Those are the prayers that he hears. If you are subject to that call, if you have stumbled in your own life, if you need prayers in the congregation, we can help you with those things. Not just me, others sitting amongst you, our brethren in Christ. If there's any public thing that you need to confess, we offer an opportunity for you to make that right. If you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing. Wherefore, Jesus, oh my brother,